FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Checker flag falls for Ryan Filipato. Dungey gets by for Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for downloading. Thanks to Liat for making this thing happen, as well as the folks at Blenzall and Maxis, of course. Liat.com for more information on their complete product line, their goggles, their helmet, their boots, their gear, uh, the neck brace, uh, whatever it is, Liat will have you covered. They do a good job of producing a whole line of stuff. And, of course, the Smart Top MCR Honda guys run Liat and uh, look very good doing it. So, Thanks for listening. Um, I'm Steve Mathis. With me here to discuss an epic, I- iconic Anaheim 1986 race is Jason Wygant. Yeah, Anaheim so, 86. Had to be done. Had to be done. Mm-hmm. We had to get yeah. to that race at yep. some point, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll, we certainly will talk to uh, a rider who was involved in it, and we'll talk all about it. Uh, thanks to the Liat guys, of course. Thank you to Blenzall and Maxis, of course, for coming on, as well as you people for listening. So, Anaheim 86. This one... It's almost overrated, Weege, because of how much it's talked about. It is put up there as the greatest race of all time. It is not the greatest race of all time, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah, actually, now that we went back and watched it again, I've bought into the hype, and then I've spent maybe eight or ten years saying, ah, it's not as good as everybody says. Mm -hmm. We watched it again tonight, and um, not back to best ever. But I'm um, getting resold. It was pretty darn good. <laughs> you were on, you were off, and now you're now back, back on. on. Right. Yes. No, it, it is really good. Uh, it, it's a very, very good race. And certainly Rick Johnson, David Bailey go at it for half of the main event, if not more, mm-hmm. trading spots. <clears throat> and um, to me, we right around now, and, I, and I've watched a ton of this stuff, maybe more than you have, but right around 85 and 86 and 87, we start seeing the modern Supercross. We start seeing triples. We start seeing whoops. We see tougher tracks before they were uh, singles and some small doubles and things like that. To me, 85, 86, 87, it starts ramping up. 88, 89, we're full soupy now. By, yep. by 1989, to me, that's, a, that's as much of a Supercross race as, as you're going to get, you know, just like nowadays. And this is the start of it around this time. And this track is busy and technical. Yeah, it looks exhausting. Uh, there's there's jumps that are jumps, but jumpable. I feel like every obstacle on this track, unlike the years before, was there for a reason. Like you're supposed to jump from this to this. You're supposed to do this here. You're this. Yeah. In random years before this, it just seemed like they just threw obstacles down on the floor, and it didn't make any sense at all. Yep. But even though this track does have some semblance of rhythm. They still don't have any flow. Not on these old bikes. They're yeah. going so slow. They have no momentum. There are so many times where they are just coming to a dead stop, right. accelerating again, getting some speed, dead stop. It looks exhausting. And, and the suspension is soft. Yeah. They're getting whiplash. They're yeah, hitting when they their land, cr- you're seeing their upper bodies collapse right. onto the bike. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the tracks were more advanced than the suspension tuners mm, were at this time and mm. the suspension stuff, right? Um, and, and But on the flip side of that, Rick Johnson and David Bailey look 
twice as good as many of those guys. Whether it's the bikes, 86 Hondas, yeah. whether it's these techniques, the rider skill. I mean, obviously, they're two of the best riders in the world. They look fine. Yeah. Well, there's some sketchy moments, but they look fine for the most part. Yeah, it is a real have and have not. Uh, if you watched a Supercross from now and you had someone that had never watched racing before and you showed them, you know, someone in the LCQ and you showed them Eli Tomac, they probably would be hard-pressed to yeah. notice the difference. Yep. The difference between Johnson and Bailey and, like, privateer dudes in this is massive. Yeah. Some of these guys are just sending obstacles <laughs> with just – I think, as you said, they're just going full Hail Mary yeah, when they take yeah, off yeah. They jump. need to have rosary beads and grasping <laughs> yeah. them yes. and then just send it because yes. they have no plan nope. of what's going to happen. They're just twisting it. Yes. There's no timing, technique, anything. Yeah. Any rider in a main event these days, you would watch them go around. They know it. Yeah. Even A-Ray. Yeah. Even A-Ray <laughs> knows what he's doing. They're going to, oh, I'm going to triple, triple, yeah. double, single through here. Yep. And they do it every time. Right. They could do it a thousand times. Most of these dudes, they get one lap clean and they're yeah. probably just like thank god yeah this race boiled down to a triple a big triple mm-hmm. uh that uh, some guys were doing some guys weren't and some guys were having really trouble doing yeah um i talked to scott burnworth who we will, we will talk about later because uh, he comes up pretty prominently in this mm-hmm. race and uh, uh on the tv broadcast uh they said that he's the first guy to jump it and uh that is true probably for the first guy for the night show uh burnworth said that he thought there were guys jumping it during the day so, oh, okay. you know what I mean? Just wanted to check on that and make sure, not make sure, but see if Burnworth was the first guy to really launch this thing. But, impressive. But, right. Yeah, that triple, it's just pull the front end up. Yeah. It's Evil Knievel style. Yep. Just pull that front end up and launch as far as you can, and hopefully you get over it. And they, they followed by a right tight right-hander. Yeah. They uh, they rebuilt this track in 08, I believe it was. Anaheim 86, recreated in 2008. Yeah. And it was pretty close, and yep. this triple was big for the, the regular time. Regular triple is 67 feet. And I think this one's 72. Yeah, it was bigger, right? oddly, in 86 track than the normal Supercross triple yeah. that they had in 08 yeah. and today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, announcers for this, Greg Barbacovi was in the – looks like he was either doing it afterwards or up by himself in the booth. And David yeah, Stanfield was the pit reporter, the podium announcer. Oh, actually, no, Stanfield was just the just the interviewer. So yeah. no no color analysis, just Greg Barbacovi. Yeah. And no, no pit reporting from the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Stanfield well, Stanfield just, Stan just did the interviews, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that was odd a little bit as well for 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 the time. But um, you know, you have to realize in all this evolution is it's it's crazy to think about now because like you know we we're, we're about the same age. So when you think of eighty six, eighty seven, this era, the sports seemed big and glitzy, and these guys were heroes. I mean, we're talking. This is like the tenth year of Supercross existing. Mm-hmm. It's so early in the evolution of everything. It's only like the tenth season they've ever even had no 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 no. 75 they had seasons all right you know 11 no but what do you mean 70 let's see how many races 70 let's see how many races that in 75 okay 1975 they had four races really yeah okay first time there's like a decent looking this looks like eight or ten is 76 we're only like 10 11 years all right into the evolution of the entire sport so you think about that probably seem like I'm sure in 86, if you looked at a race from 76, it looked like 40 years ago. Yeah. But at the same time, it was pretty quick. Right. Like, they didn't have a lot of time. They were probably learning everything, how to put it on TV, how announcers should work, how tracks should be built, everything. And think about to 86 to 96. Holy MC's crap. almost perfect season, right? Holy crap. Couldn't have been any any more different, right? Uh, yeah. It's you know, it's, it's pretty much that goes. Yeah. So, um, so, this is 1985 Works Bikes, one-off. 
You can produce whatever you want for a bike. No rules. Go and race it. CC rules. That's it. Uh, and so the AMA, in order to control racing, control costs of racing, uh, instituted a production rule for the entire class, and we're still in this rule today. The, the things that were written for 86 stand today. Yeah. Uh, stock cases, stock cylinders, stock tanks, stock swing arm, that kind of stuff. And that was all instituted for 86 to keep the cost down. And Weege, as you were saying, like this was also the thought of if there was a Pulp MX show in 1986 coming into the season, as you, you brought this point up, we would be talking about, is Honda still good? Are Honda riders still good? Right. I, I, I have not ever found anyone to weigh in on this. It had to have been a topic back then. But anyone I've asked that was around in that era didn't really talk about it much. But if you read the magazines of the day, yes, the AMA said it was to keep the cost down generically. But some of the things I read was more like Honda from about 82 yeah. through 85 was winning a lot. Yeah. And I think it was more really thought of as like, Honda has more money than everybody else. They're spending too much money. This is not fair. Right. So we are going to hurt Honda yep. by going to production bikes. And Yamaha had already been In 84. Yeah. 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 So 84 and 85. Yeah. So Yamaha's already on production bikes. Honda's not dominating necessarily. Like 1985, it was Wardy and Glover yeah. on a Kawasaki and a Yamaha going for the title. So it's not like Honda won everything. And Honda's 85 works bikes were the trickiest thing ever. That's what I'm right, getting yeah. at. They weren't necessarily winning every race, every title all the time. But they just had this aura. They looked super trick. They had extra technology, even if they didn't necessarily win all the time. So I have to imagine that when that unbelievable cool Honda works bike was going away and they were going to have to switch to production bikes, there had to be a real, what is, could yeah. this be it? Is Honda actually going to yeah. lose their advantage? And maybe they'll struggle because they don't have data on the production race bike like Yamaha does. Right. And uh, yeah, no, they didn't at all. They, they got were, better. They, they were great. Yeah, they got better. Exactly. Yeah. So that that lesson was learned uh, right away. Um, right. So. I would just love to have known the bench racing of the day because that had to have been going into this yeah. race a huge topic. A Will hu Honda yeah. dominate? Yeah, a huge thing. Um, another huge thing that never gets really brought up is so the 85 Supercross champion is Jeff Ward, and he is the champion coming in. So uh, RJ, Rick Johnson, goes from Yamaha to Honda. He has a so-so year in 85, gets picked up by Honda in 86. Not really thought of as a title guy, but, you know, pretty good. Um, he's a top five or six riders in America, but not the guy. Yeah. Bailey has a crappy 85 year after a great 84. He's not thought of as the championship. He's a, in the mix with five or six guys. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Uh, Wardy is a champion. Glover was really good. Um, all of that going on. So this format in 86, you had to finish a certain – there was four heats. Top two went to the main event. And anybody from third to whatever spot, you had to finish in there to qualify for the semifinal. Jeff Ward broke a throttle cable in after the first turn. He led. He, he led. whole shot. He whole shot. Bike quits. Bike quits. Yeah. Breaks a throttle cable. He doesn't finish well enough to qualify for the semifinal. The Supercross champion, the number one plate holder, does not line up for the main event. That is insane. I mean, we, we had Chad and – was Chad the champion when he crashed out? The broken wheel? Yes. On a Cowie in, in 2010? 10. He wasn't champ, but oh, he was a big name. Damn. He yeah. wasn't champ. That's right. Anyways, so he pulled off. You know, that was a huge thing. Like, you're starting from zero. Yeah. Yeah. A contender. Yeah. 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 A DNF. It's just a round. massive news. And so Wardy doesn't make the main event. Yeah. So just to review here, right. You had to actually finish in a certain spot in the heat to even 
get a chance in the semi. Third or to fifteenth or third to sixteenth, right. whatever it was. Right. Yeah. If you finished in the back of your heat, you were just out for the night out. instantly. Done. And if your bike broke, and if you're fact you're riding your bike right. broke. Too bad. But this is kind of what I'm getting at. Remember, this is only like the 10th year of Supercross. There were so many kinks that I yeah. guess they were still ironing out. Yeah. And when you watch the show on TV, there was a 125 class by 86, but it was crap. It was not considered <laughs> anything special right. at all. So I do feel there was a lot of the main events only 20 laps. We've got to make this a three-hour show. So I feel like, and I remember going, I, I went to Supercross race in 87 and 88 when they came to New Jersey. And it really was like this road to even qualify for the main was supposed to be part of the drama yeah, yeah. of the right. evening. Now we all know making the main event is not a thing for your top guys. Yeah. But I feel like the, you have to run this gauntlet yeah. to get in. Um, and when you make it top two in the heat, yeah. you're making it like that. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, RV not made the main one at Jacksonville. Right? Yeah. RV didn't make the main. Sounds like one we need to have on this show. We might. We might. That was a good one. Yeah, Army crawl. The Army crawl. Army Who crawl. could finish? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So – the the mechanic for Jeff Ward in 1986 was a guy named Tom Halverson. Okay. And uh, he became a road race uh, crew ch- or road race team manager yeah. when I was at Yamaha. Okay. And so me, just loving the history of the sport, talked to Tom about that, and he said the throttle cable was a factory one from uh, Japan, and it was brand new, and it just broke, like the end of it broke off, and that was it, right? So therefore, for the next three years, almost every time... I was building a new bike. I would take my throttle cable into Halverson's office and be like, Tom, would you like to inspect the, my throttle cable? <laughs> Just to, and he would tell me to fuck off and to die, and, and, and it's not funny. Jimmy Perry loved it. Really? Loved it. Jimmy Perry and I bonded <laughs> over that joke. So that was my little history of Anaheim 86. Was Just- going. Going killing in. this guy. Yes, killing Tom Halverson, who probably was at the lowest point of his. That was his first year with Wardy, too, by the way, too. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Tom Morgan had worked for Wardy in 85. Whatever happened, yeah. Morgan left. Didn't Morgan eventually be – wasn't Morgan back with Wardy? Yeah, at some point, right? Well, yeah. yeah. That was Halverson's year, and, and that was it. So just to review here, this guy gets assigned the Supercross champion. Yeah. First race they have together. Yeah. His bike breaks, yeah. and he does not make the main event. Even, and you make this guy relive that <laughs> yes. over and over yes. and over. Okay. Yes, yes. I right, just want to get that so, right. Uh, yeah, so that that's a tough blow for Jeff Ward right there because, I mean, dude, uh, later on, Ward, he didn't have the strongest year in 86, but he certainly was in the mix. Yeah. And he would have he would have thought in this race would have been right in there. Um, do you know, Davey always tells this part of the story, that Wardy apparently, obviously super pissed, leaves to drive home because all these guys are local to Anaheim. And he says that he was at was it the Del Taco. You know, there's a Del Taco yeah. right on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that Del Taco was there in 1986. Yeah. yeah. And Wardy says that he just heard the stadium crowd going nuts. Because it was like now yeah. Wardy yeah. or, or uh, Bailey and Johnson were battling. Right. And he remembered hearing it from a block away. Like, right. what is going on? Right. That's cool. Um, so we may as well get this out in a way because we're going to laugh about this later. In the semi, so uh, Dogger wins the heat. That Wardy, no, Dogger just wins the heat later on. Yeah. The announcer David Stanfield says, "Hey, Jeff Ward, your teammate, he is out for the night." Yep. Like uh, they already know they've done the they math. Yes. They, you know he's out for the night. Yep. And Ronnie says, "Oh yeah, that sucks. Too bad. Whatever. Blah blah blah." Right. Smash cut to the semifinal. On the gate, there's a young Mitch Payton there. There was brilliant. Yeah. There's a guy in a wheelchair, Mitch, and it's Mitch Payton, and he's 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 ten feet off the gate. Like ten feet off the the side of the gate. There are no rules. No, clearly, no, back clearly then. no, no, no. Um, 
and and, and Omera's got the inside gate. Mitch is right next to Omera, and then there's an empty couple of empty gates there. And at some point, Wardy rolls up to the gate. <laughs> but like, like the announcer knows, like the math has been done. Yeah, he's, he's out. out. He's out. That's the rules. But they yet, freaking tried. <laughs> they freaking tried it. Like, let's th- just roll up. And he was by far the last guy to go to the gate. Everybody oh, was on the gate ready. The board was up. Yes. Or, or close to it. They must have thought, like, go there 10 seconds before that gate drops, and they won't be able to stop you and just race. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So then Jim Felt comes running in, a Honda mechanic for Omera. Yeah. And an AMA guy comes running up, and they pull his bike back. They literally, like, the AMA guy is dragging Wardy back yeah. on his bike, yeah. pulling him yeah, off yeah, of the yeah. gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried this. I, I got to believe that they thought they could get in. Like someone told them that I got I cannot believe that a factory team would just cheat, would just cheat and be right. like, get, but, but the, but he rolled up there. Like I said, before the gate drop. So it's very suspect. It's very suspect, suspect that they did it at almost too late for anyone to stop them. Yes. But I could see them and, saying like, Hey, what have we got to lose? See if maybe they don't enforce that rule. At least try to qualify through the semi and see what they do. Clearly, all the other managers and mechanics are—they know Instantly. that the, the title contender is out for the night. Instantly, right? Yeah, I mean, Honda was probably pumping their fists like yeah. Wardy's already out. Yeah, and as soon as they saw that bike roll in, oh. Jim felt Omara's mechanic was freaking out. Just—it's—it's it's just amazing. It's—it's it's incredible. So I don't even know what the deal was with that. I'd love to find out. I believe I asked. Halverson that and he didn't know anything about it. He didn't remember or you know what okay. I mean? I'm like, what yeah. was going on with that? Yeah. You know, but whatever. So in my mind I'm picturing it, it was basically like AMA guys are eventually beating Morty up. Like the <laughs> amount of guys that grabbed him <laughs> and they're just kicking him and punching him, like, get off that gate. It's, it's unbelievable. It's great. It's great. So yeah. uh we gotta get to the quads too. We gotta get to the quads. Because yes. you're very happy about that. Yes. Um Heat one. <laughs> Can we wait? <laughs> the heats are incredibly biased here. I don't know. How did this happen? The, the one heat has got Alan King and Jeff Hicks, Burnworth and Jim Hawley. The next two have Bailey, RJ O'Mara, uh, uh, Dogger, Bowen. Somehow, <laughs> somehow Glover. Bailey, Johnson, and O'Mara, who would be one, two, three in the main, are all in the same heat. And there's four of them. There's four heats, not two. There's yes. four. Yeah. They're all in the same heat. Yeah. And there's other heats that have. Like, no factory guys at all. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how yeah. this randomly... Yeah, Heat 3 and 4 are stacked with factories. Heat 1 and 2, yes. not so much. Again, this is early. They probably, however they did it, whatever you finished in... Actually, wait. What was qualifying? Yeah, who knows? They didn't yeah. have transponders. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I wonder right. how it worked. Right. So, yeah. um, the first Heat, we first get a photo, a picture of Ron Turner, radical Ron Turner, and he just sends it into this triple... <laughs> Got, does like a two and a half. Foot comes off. Foot comes off, and he goes down, and yes. he's, he's down. And he's on an 85, so things are getting weird. He's on 1985 <laughs> YZ250. Yeah. Uh, Russ Wageman. Yeah. Uh, kids races now. Yep. Uh, yep. Robbie Wageman and, yep. uh, and RJ. Uh, yep. He takes the lead for a little bit there, so um, Russ, Russ Wageman might come up in a later category on the uh, Liet re-raceables here. Uh, Hicks wins. The next heat. Hicks on a Suzuki. Hicks I think on he a passed on the last lap. The racing is really good. It is. For the most part, yeah. it is really good. Yeah. The next heat, our buddy Jim Hawley yeah. leads. Factory rider. First year factory rider. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they talk about he got the ride because he won the, the World Supercross title in 85, the yep. Rodeal Cup. Yep. He's got that bike, and he does hole shot. Yeah. So maybe Jim at that point is thinking, like, I got it. Yeah. This is it. Uh, and then Burnworth gets him, yeah. who's a factory rider for Yamaha, and Burnworth does the triple. 
and the crowd loses their mind because now they said on the broadcast this was the first time a rider had jumped that triple. But I texted Burnworth, and he said no. He thought that people were doing it during the day. Right. So the announcer's just saying this is the first time I'm seeing it or the first right, time at right. a night show. Yep. And you can hear the crowd go bonkers. You know, I have to wonder now. We're saying how big this triple is, and they were evil can evil to get over it. How many times had anyone done a triple at any point in any Supercross? Yeah, I don't know. Great point. I mean, yeah. triples. Right. The concept of doing a triple yeah. has to be pretty new at this point. Yes. Yep. I, would, I would believe so. Yeah. Uh, the next heat is a preview of the main event. Bailey wins the heat over RJ. Uh, and the next one, uh, Dogger wins. Yeah. But Eric Kehoe just about dies on the triple. <laughs> oh, God. Kehoe, Kehoe had some wild rides. Kehoe sends it. He does. And he just cases it and flies off. And yeah. Somebody else. Was it Rick Ryan? I think yes. it was Rick Ryan. Rick Ryan also Same died. Thing. Yes. Also Rick Ryan, yes. Just about uh, died. Landing that triple. Ron Turner just about dies landing yes. that triple. Yes. Uh, it, it, it is definitely taking some guys Kehoe down. Kehoe had another moment where he crashed like, face first into the hay bales. Yeah. It was a wild night yeah. for, for Kehoe. And like you said, too, like there was so much – like RJ and Bailey had rhythms, right? They had yeah. rhythms. They looked strong. They looked good. Other guys are just case, roll, sit down, double, yeah. front end up, yes. slap down, yes. single, double. Like they, right. there's just – yeah. Absolutely sending it. When I was a kid, I remember first seeing Supercross, and it's around these years. One of the things that always amazed me the most is that you'd see these unbelievable crashes, and the dudes would just miraculously get up. And I don't really feel that way anymore. Like, I feel like that part's gone. Yeah. And all I can imagine is, yes, these are gnarly crashes over jumps, but they're going like 11 miles an hour. Right. It's a lot safer. Yeah. So even when... And you got to imagine the helmets, for example, are yeah. horrible then. Yeah. But Rick Ryan tries to do the triple. He crashes face first into the berm yeah. in the corner after yeah. that. Hand blows off when he Hand lands. blows yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. But they're like, okay. Yeah. Because he's still probably only going 18 miles an hour going into that corner. Probably a good point. Yeah. Right. The four strokes have increased the speed and therefore. Yeah, the bikes yeah. just got better. I yeah. mean, even if you go to McGrath two stroke yeah. 10 years later, yeah, I'm sure whatever he's going it is. Right. way faster. Yeah. No, it, yeah. It's, uh, it's a really tricky track for a lot of guys, not named Johnson and Bailey. It's like, can you finish the race? Is like a legitimate, right? Like, can you get around this track? Right, right. Um, yeah. I did like Alan Dick, Canadian hero, uh, leading the LCQ for a little bit until um, who gets him? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, the win only. Yeah, yeah. Winner only gets him. And we I, had uh, Brooks in there and some of these battles in yep, the uh, semis. Yep, Brooks yep. was in there. Yep. Uh, a, a privateer guy. He was two oh three or two thirty, something like that. Two thirty, I think. Was he three digit? I thought he was three digit. Oh, okay. Um, oh, no, he's 30. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. he was 30. Yeah. No, I was yep. thinking about Jeff Leesk. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. You did not see many three-digit guys at all. No, uh, no. But I guess Leesk hadn't even raced in the U.S. Right. at this point, so right. he had, didn't have a number. Yeah, I didn't have a number. Yeah. Uh, Mike Healy was in there. Riding pretty good. Yep. Ali Seymour. Yeah. Wyndham's old mechanic. Yeah. Uh, yep. So he was in the mix, too. Battled uh, Holly a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was uh, it, neat to see. And then um, it was cool to see Alan Dick, like I said. So Alan, this is 1880. So this... Is 86. Okay. Beginning 86. Mm-hmm. Let me just smash cut in some Canadian moto history here, everybody. If you uh, want to fast forward, you can. But mm-hmm. uh, so Ross is just the dominant rider. Okay. Uh, he loses the 85 125 title to Doug Hoover in a miracle, like two point thing. And Ross is a big guy, so whatever. He loses the 84 500s because uh, he has a mechanic. He has a mechanical, and it's only six motos or whatever. He can't make up the gap. Yeah. Mike Harden beats him in the in the uh, 500. So in the span of like 81 to 85, three titles a year. Okay, three championships oh a year. God. He loses two. Good lord. Okay, so 
Just an animal. Good Lord. Right. In 86, Al Dick takes him down. Yeah. Al Dick takes him down. Wow. Uh, uh, it's just kind of an emergence, you know, and Al becomes the guy to wow. challenge Rollerball. When Rollerball gets beat up in a bar brawl at Saskatoon in 88, Al Dick wins, wins everything. Because, you know, Roller's not around. Roller got beat up by bouncers. So. What? Really? Yeah. So that's how good and amazing and legendary Roller is. His run really ends getting in our bar, bar brawl with bouncers. No, no. He comes back the next year, number seven, oh, okay. and wins again. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah, the bouncers yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But, right. but what I'm saying is Al Dick is becoming a guy that can yeah. challenge Roller Ball. He's, yeah. he's uh, tall. He's skinny. He looks great on a bike. He's from British Columbia, and uh, yeah. So Al Dick, this is the beginning of Al Dick. Al and, Dyke says the yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. And actually, another Al Dick trivia moment. Again, people, I can keep going if you want. But '86 in the fall at the annual Montreal Supercross, it's a mud fest, really bad. Al leads a lot of the main event until Guy Cooper gets him. Late. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty legit. Yeah, legit. Wow. So anyway, so that's uh, yeah, you know, Al Dick. Today's Al Dick. Trivia moment. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So two trick, two uh, trick, two trick, Al Dick. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. Um, okay, so at halftime, there's a quad race, and Weege, I've never seen you more excited. I was stoked. I was stoked. So this is the first year the quads come out. Uh, no, the quads, the 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 first four wheelers came out in like eighty three, eighty four. No, but no, I mean the racer ones. ones. Yeah, I they mean actually came out ones. in eighty five. The oh, quad okay. racer and the quad okay. sport. Okay. Uh, so. I guess this is the second year of them. Okay. But it is January of 86. Uh, they have a whole race for Suzuki quads. Yeah, what really must have angered people, my very first thing was like, my gosh, how much money did Suzuki pay for the halftime? Yeah. Although I guess, hey, we have a KTM Junior Supercross Challenge right yeah. now. But what's really crazy is, as I'm watching these heats, I'm like, what part of the track am I seeing over there? I don't, that doesn't look like a section of the On track the quad, that they're doing. the quad race, yeah. But in the heat race for the bikes, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing lanes of the track oh, that I'm not yeah. seeing used. Right. It's because they had to build extra lanes for the quads. So think of how compromised the regular track had to be to add floor space yeah. to have like a section just for the quads. Yeah, I don't remember in 08 if they built the quad lanes or not. I don't think they did. I yeah, I guess not. Did. I didn't have the quad lanes. Uh, the quads look pretty good though, so, I think. They looked awesome. Of course. You th they look great. So. Yeah. Uh, before the race, they interviewed Bob Hanna on a quad. Hanna leaves Honda in 85, signs with Suzuki, and I don't know, I know he's not a Supercross fan. Yeah. He said that over and over. Yeah. But good God, you would think was he hurt? Why didn't he race A1 for Suzuki? Like, I don't... This was their huge marquee signing. Yes, he was old as dirt, but he was 28. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, why wasn't he racing? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like Hannah's 86, 87 Suzuki years were just, I'm going to race some races. Yeah. But I don't know how he picked. Yeah, and I don't, but I don't know why you wouldn't do Anaheim 1. No, exactly. Right. Yeah, like, why would you like, not do Anaheim? Especially the amount of money they must have thrown at him, Suzuki. Right. yeah. And then you just don't race the very first race. Yeah, yeah. I get them. the limited schedule, but yeah. Anaheim, maybe, right. Anaheim won. Or, and he does know. pop up racing, say, like L.A. Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. Later that year. Yeah. yeah. He does Southwick. He does the USGP, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's on the line on a quad saying, you know. Yeah. Not racing. Yeah. But like PR. Right. Saying these things are great. Yeah. Again, it's I, I ride them for fun. And, they can use them on farms or, or just and who's leading? Families. Who leads the race at the quad race? Unbelievable. Uh, Tim Dixon. Really good friend of mine. He was the original truck driver for JGR, so he lives in the same town as I do now. Moved moved North Carolina. Talked to him all the time on these text threads. Talks a lot about the quad days and the three wheeler days. He worked for Team Green, 
when Kawasaki's three-wheeler was a big thing. Oh, he's Jimmy White guy? Yeah, big Jimmy oh, White guy. Yeah. Big Jimmy White guy. They tell a lot of Jimmy White stories. But I did not know that Tim raced ATVs, and he was leading. And he has suspenders and he on. he has suspenders. <laughs> leading, but then he cased a double. Do you have any response to your group text about that? Everybody has. I don't think he has. Oh. I, yeah, we, you shot the video, or I shot the video. Yeah. I sent it to everybody. Right. And nobody's, nobody's confirming or making fun of, uh, of him. The, of yeah, everybody is. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Yep. Everybody's making fun of him, but uh, but impressed. I mean, he was leading. So this quad thing, I just can't imagine what Suzuki spent. But I right. guess yeah. we have a KTM Junior Supercross. Yeah. Match. So same same kind yeah. of same kind of idea, right? It is hard to believe the quad thing was such a meteoric but short life. Yeah. I mean, you remember when I don't know if MXA went that far, but Dirt Bike and Dirt Rider and all the magazines they'd have quad stuff in them. It was like the quads had gotten so big and so popular that the motocross, supercross industry had to acknowledge them. Like e-bikes. Uh, I guess we're getting there. Right. I mean, you had Bob Hanna doing the promotion yeah. for Suzuki's right. quads. Like, think of how crazy that is now. Right. Well, I mean, I did a, a podcast with um, Gary Denton, mm. the quad god. I enjoyed it. And, and I enjoyed it. He was making some good money. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure. he was doing well, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting to see that for sure. So, um, smash cut to the main event. 86 Anaheim. No ward. Scott Burnworth gets a whole shot. Factory Yamaha rider, Al Cajon native, probably knows RJ really well, right? They're buddies, Al Cajon, everything else. Mm-hmm. RJ just dirties him, right? Yeah, yeah. Knocks yep. him out. Like, like, he looks like he's out. He comes yeah. back in the race. Obviously, but, he comes back. Yeah, but, but he looks It was a hard hurt. hit. It was like a, a full shoulder check Yeah, RJ. It's yeah. like, this turn is 30 feet wide, and RJ's like, I'm going in the middle. I want this line right here. And if you happen to be there... Oh well, I'm gonna knock you down. Yeah, and he knocks him down. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's it's not a good look for RJ. It's very aggressive. No, it's very, very aggressive. aggressive. Um, it's kind of a theme. RJ's very aggressive the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Yep. So uh, he's off and running. And you know, I think if you were to just poll ten people on the street and be like, "Hey, man, uh, how did the Anaheim '86 go?" Poll ten Moto people, not mm. just ten people, because that would be they wouldn't remember yeah. this. Yes. Uh, how did the Anaheim '86 go? It'd be oh. Bailey and RJ all race long going at it. Well, not really. RJ has a big lead. Uh, Bailey's not even second for a while. George Holland is second for a while. Yeah. Uh, O'Mara's third. Bailey has to get by both of those guys. Yeah, first three laps, RJ is gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. And again, I always wonder what the reaction is of that. He switched to Team Honda. I, I, maybe I overreact to everything, but I just got to be thinking if I was watching those first three laps live, yeah. I'd been like, oh my God, is this just the way it's going to be? Right. Is this guy taking over? This is just this is just it. Yeah. Right. Yep. So um, RJ is up there. He's got the lead. He's he's triple. He's doing the triple pretty smoothly. Yeah. Um, you know, looks great, all of that. And uh, There's a tricky, uh, I guess they're whoops, but they're kind of jumping them. Yeah. And he goes like double, triple, and like those five whoops. And triples and, out. Yeah. yeah, it looks so good. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, lo and behold, Scott Burnworth comes back on the scene. The guy that RJ took down. Getting lapped. And getting lapped. And Burnworth is not making this easy on RJ. And I don't blame him. I, I would also be doing that. Yeah, I mean, he got cleaned bad. Plus, he almost had the whole shot. Right. So he's got to be super bummed. Like, you ruined my race. So he's holding up RJ to the point where even the announcer, yeah. Greg Barbakovi, right. is taking it, note of it, this. Yeah, saying, well, that must be because of that incident they had earlier, yeah. you know? And yep. I mean, uh, Burnworth brake checking him. Burnworth's going really slow in the corners, you know, just yeah. kind of because the narrow, tracks are pretty narrow, you know, yep. in some spots, especially yep. by the finish and all that. Ton. So um, this allows Bailey to get close. 
Yes. Yes. Bailey does catch him. And 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 then, and then Burnworth moves over and lets Bailey ride by. Yes. No problem. Go ahead. Yes, he does. Right. And then Bailey and RJ, as we've all seen, they go at it. And uh, Weege, this is the part where you're like, wait, this is better than I remember. Yeah, because Bailey gets by. Yep. RJ passes him back. They battle a little bit. And then I think Bailey has a lead for a while. And I'm like, oh, I see it's already over. But no, RJ does stalk him yeah. for three or four laps. And then they start going at it again. Yep. And after a while, it's like RJ, I feel like RJ just is like, I'm just going to go to the inside in every corner. I'm just going to send it, and I'm going to put my bike there, and whatever happens, happens. Right, right. Yeah, Bailey's trying to flow, right? Yes. And RJ's just coming in. I'm coming in the inside in every corner. Right. And there was one part that I made you go back and rewind. Bailey eventually catches on to this. That same gnarly corner where RJ cleaned out Burnworth. Burnworth, yep. Bailey's on the outside, and now he knows RJ's coming. Yeah. Bailey hustles through that corner. So fast. Yeah. And RJ does come for the torpedo and yeah. just misses him. RJ gets him in that turn either earlier or yeah. right after. And Bailey squares it up. Yeah. And comes in. Comes back in. Yeah, comes back in. It was good. It is good stuff. Uh, they, they made a contact a couple times. And, yep. and uh, you know, you can see, God, I, I, I went back and watched this again. Off of that triple, was it the triple or was it the – I don't no, think it was the triple. it wasn't the triple. No. Bailey did the triple that very same, nicely, though. That same turn that we just talked about. Yep. The, Bailey comes off that double, standing up to the inside, never sits down, and pivots on a dime and rides away from and gets gets by RJ. It's a phenomenal bit of riding. Yes. Because how he, he, he has enough speed to double, he has enough speed to stick to the inside and keep to the inside. He never sits down. When you see how bad these bikes are, their suspension, like yeah. we're saying, the landing is almost like, I, I always say it's like a monster truck. They land and they just bounce. <laughs> and, like, there isn't any... Yeah. Plan trajectory. It's just I'm going to land, and whatever happens, happens. To almost everybody, yeah. that Bailey can land, standing up, stay on the inside, doesn't bounce. Yeah, no one else yeah. was even – that was like 80% better yeah. than anybody else yeah. did that corner. Well, I just think he, he his precision allowed him to just clear it, right? The, the totally maybe downside got, the double. Maybe he got the downside and, better, yeah. But, but even still, yep. to not sit down and go around the inside of that turn? Yep. Dude, that was impressive. I think sometimes the guys landed and ended up sitting down because – they were landing so hard. I don't think they could keep <laughs> yeah. standing. It was yeah. like a full squat yep. Yep. to absorb it. Um, now, I think it looks like RJ gets tired. He's right? admitted it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he did? did oh, he, yeah. He's he, admitted he, it. Yeah. He said he was just completely spent. And he, But he's no. there's no give. There's no give. He's just sending it. <laughs> yes. And he, he's he casing things, and he's just yes. – Bailey looks like in control and smooth and everything else. Yeah. And RJ is tired and yep. hammering through stuff. Yeah. Um, that – set of whoops that we said RJ was tripling out of that seemed like a strength for him yeah but then Bailey there's like a little wall jump in between there's like whoops wall yep and then Bailey jumps that off of that wall yep. I think that's where he took the lead for the last time yeah it was spectacular for the era I mean it's an, probably yep. an 18 foot yeah, yeah. jump <laughs> right right but compared to everybody no, else yeah, is doing no yeah. They, yeah those two are heading they, we don't see much of Omero Omero gets third yeah we don't see much of Omero his, his knees hurt. Well, you don't see much of Dogger. Dogger gets lapped. Yeah. Wardy's out of it. Glover crashes first lap, and he gets lapped. Dogger looked pretty tired. Dogger did look tired, yeah. Well, uh, God yeah. knows what he was doing the night before. That's right. Right? That's right. Um, In your eyes, was Burnworth right to do that? Uh, Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, me too. I think it's all right. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had the whole shot in the opening round of the season. You don't know what your chances are. You might it, be thinking, what if I win? It looked like RJ really could have made that turn. You know, and just decided to go, hey, I'm just going to keep going. 
maybe. And we're gonna hit, and you're gonna go down. I mean, I think it go was ahead. RJ's technique a lot. Like a lot of these passes yeah. or attempts on Bailey was pretty much I'm just going up the inside. Yeah. And whatever happens happens. Right, right. And I'm gonna muscle into you or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was a really good battle. You're coming back around on that, though. Yeah, so you're coming back around in this race. Yeah, Yeah. it was re- really pretty yeah. good. I mean, there was a long time there where they were super close, and almost every corner was a right. pass. It's like if you count the amount of passes, it might only be four. But there was like eight attempts that RJ made that didn't work or eight attempts that Bailey made that yeah. RJ managed to shut yeah. the door. So uh, 12th this night in Anaheim, 80, 1986, 12th place was Jim Holly. Yeah. Your old webcast partner. Yep. Uh, we love Jim. Uncle Jim. There, yep. there isn't. Jim is probably in the top five of just raddest dudes you'll meet. Yeah, of personality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Just, just, just amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we, we got Jim Hawley on the phone. Um, he was a factory Yamaha rider this year, of course. And uh, he was in this race. He got 12th. He got lapped. Uh, and but we'll talk to him about that and more here on the uh, Liat Re Raceable podcast. Here's Jim Hawley talking about Anaheim '86. All right, we we said we would bring the man in on the Liat Rewatchables podcast here, presented by Blenzall and Maxis. Uh, Anaheim '86, of course. The great Jim Hawley joins us. Jim, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Anything for you guys. Now, you know this race is epic. It's the one that everybody's talked about. It's an incredible battle up front between RJ and Bailey. But uh, you were in this race, and uh, you were part of it. And I guess when you, for yourself, you don't give a shit about the RJ uh, battle, RJ-Bailey battle, do you, Holly? Well, I, I mean, you know, afterwards looking at it, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, I was part of the race, but unfortunately I got laughed and I was a factory <laughs> rider. I was pissed off at myself for, uh, you know, getting laughed, you know, and, uh, but, uh, what a hell of a show those guys put on. I mean, th- those two guys wanted to win so bad and they did whatever it took. And I mean, I, I think back then Anaheim held probably 70,000 people. I mean, everybody's standing uh, up in the stands. I mean, I- I'm thinking, you know, I'm battling back there in between Myers cough, you know, was behind me and um, Eric Kehoe, you yeah, know, and yeah. we were battling ourselves, and all of a sudden I'm hearing the, the roar of the crowd, and I'm thinking, well, that wasn't that big of a pass, you know, <laughs> that I just did on that guy. But it wasn't that. It was those guys, and every lap I kept hearing this and hearing this roar, and I'm thinking, yeah. God damn, there's a race, and I'm not in it. <laughs> so you do specifically remember the crowd losing their minds. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Um, you can you yep. can hear it. You, you know, I mean, you can hear it when you're out there. You can hear it when you're getting lapped. You can hear it if you're not in the race, if you're in the race. And, and that's what probably fueled those guys, you know, to pushing it over their limits. I, I mean, uh, you know, just on the, the crowd, you know, getting up for it. Yeah. I want to ask you about 1986. So um, Yamaha have been using production bikes. I know you were, weren't on the factory team until 86, but even their factory guys in like 85 were on production bikes. And then they finally changed the rule to production bikes for 86. So now these super trick, awesome, low-boy tank Hondas are out. Going into that season, do you remember if Yamaha was like, we got them now. We've been running production bikes. Our factory bikes are just like they were at 85. Our, they're screwed. Honda's screwed. Were there high – because Honda then ends up sweeping the main one, two, three. Yeah, all year long they yeah. dominate. Yeah, right. but yeah. were there high yeah. hopes coming into the season? Yeah. Production rule, Honda's screwed? 
I, I think so, but yeah. you're talking about Honda, man. Okay. <laughs> those, those guys are, you know, back in those days, they were on it. I mean, DeCosta was there, Dave Arnold was there, all the mechanics were there. I mean, even though, yeah, I mean, some of their bikes, you know, I, I mean, as a privateer before, you know, I got the factory ride, I'd look at those bikes and go, I got to compete against that? How, yeah. how do you do that? You know, yeah, I mean, right. it's incredible. And, and I've ridden some works bikes, you know, uh, prior to that, not raced them, but ridden them. You yeah. know, I'm thinking, gosh darn, man. Uh, no wonder I can't, you know, run up in the top five or eight. You know, there's a big advantage. I mean, it's like uh, taking an Indy car and, and, and going against a, a VW. You know, there's just there's just really no, no, no contest. But, uh, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it was like that over at Yamaha. Like, oh, we got this. We've been on production yeah. bikes. We already know. Um, you, you, you can't think like that. And like I said, Honda, you know, they had pretty good production bikes, too. Yeah. And um, they had the resources in Japan. I mean, let's face it, even though it was a production-based rule, but we had great suspension, we had works parts and things like that, but but the basis, the frame and, and uh, you know, um, the motor, the cases and all that, that was production, but, yeah. you know, everything inside that motor, the gearbox and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that yeah. wasn't production. Yeah. Um, one thing for me r- watching this race, uh, Jimmy, is that 85-86, and specifically this Anaheim 86 race, like, this is, to me, the birth of modern Supercross tracks. 84, kind of small stuff, kind of, you know, basic stuff. 85, it starts getting gnarlier. And to me, this 86 track is is tough and technical. Do you remember it the same way? Do you remember thinking, this is harder than Supercross normally is? Well, and, and I think that that's where you saw the big change in the factories going out and building a supercross track to mimic what we were uh, racing on. I mean, Yamaha's test track back then was at De Anza Cycle Park on the side of a hill and a a few whoop sections and a couple of little, you know, triples. But you got to Anaheim, it was technical, tight, you know, no time to rest whatsoever. I mean, yeah. the heart rate had to have been at 180 at, at an average because there was just no really time to rest. No, And no. Uh, I remember, you know, looking at some of those, uh, you know, videos and stuff of those guys because I wanted to go back and look at the video and, and see where these guys making up this time on, on me. Why did I get lapped and this and that? But, I mean, when RJ pulled the trigger on some of those triples yeah. and David was real conservative and he yep. would do a double single, RJ would fly by him. Then David would set him up and get him in a turn. Then Ricky would come back and go underneath him and just slam him, you know. It, yeah. was, just, it was just a knockdown, drag-out brawl. But these guys were just, uh, they upped their game. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, and, and they left Osho, and he was in third. My yeah. teammate Bowen, he was fourth. Diamond and and uh, Holland were sixth and seventh. Glover and Lachine were seventh and eighth. So I didn't really feel too bad because I think those guys got right. lapped too. And I'm thinking, all right, well, <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah. I was really beside myself on, on getting lapped. But uh, now to get to get back to your point, Jason. Yeah, Honda's bikes were good that year. I mean, they dominated. <laughs> yeah. They dominated. Yeah, I think this track and there's a reason why this track was rebuilt in 20, 2008 what year did the they retro, bring the, the retro, retro track yeah they brought yeah. it they tried to bring it back this yep. is a modern tricky technical track and, and uh, as you said rj started doing that triple out of the turn uh and, and it was a big deal back then and, and to me 
like you said, yeah, nowhere, nowhere to rest, none of that, Jimmy, at, at this place for sure. Um, well, and, yeah. and there's a video out there in 2008, I believe. Jason and I, we rode, yeah. I rode the 490, Jason rode the 250, and we went on that retro track. We did. And we, we popped up to the top of the jump. But to remember what, you know, and I remember 2008, everyone was complaining the wall jumps. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they were all complaining. Thinking, I know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Take this bike around that we had to do that on with the foot pegs that were so small <laughs> and, and the forks and everything. I mean, you guys got yeah. adequate equipment now. But, uh, no, I... I mean, I liked it in 2008 when they threw that in there. That that gives a little bit of history to the yeah. newer generation to what those tracks were back then and, you know, how tough they really were. Dude, if I remember that retro night, the triple, because they replicated it, yeah. the triple is bigger yeah. in 86 than the triple they run now yeah. and in 2008. Yeah, it was, it was 70, actually 72 feet or something right. it was? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> um, Jim, also one thing for this race that we're, we talked about. So the defending champion in 1985, Jeff Ward, he doesn't yep. make the main event because you no, had to you had to finish so well in your semi race, and he DNF'd it, and the defending champion isn't in this race. It's crazy. Yeah, that was that. I, you know, you, you feel bad for not only Jeff, but you feel bad for the fans because yeah. What happens if Jeff Ward was in that mix too with those guys? Now you got a three yeah. rider fight, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you've seen it before. Where Wardy, I think in Atlanta, you know, he did the fist pump over the jump. I mean, he's had some yeah. awesome battles in his career, and and he could have been right in there. And that's heartbreaking to have a defending champion not in that main event. Yeah, uh, and do you remember what you do? You remember anything about the format, Holly? As far as what you had to get to make the next race. Do you remember any part of that? Like, because he DNF'd, his, his, his throttle cable broke. Right, and so he's he just did, out. So he's just out because you had to get a certain place to advance to the next race. Yeah, I, I think back then it was the top four out of the heat race transferred in, and I think that the top five maybe out of the semi okay. went in, yeah. and then sixth to, like, 16th, say. I, I don't know the yeah, exact yeah. number. They went to the last chance race because back then we had a lot of riders. you got to remember yeah, yeah. that. We had a ton of riders. So, hey, if you didn't finish, you know, you finished 17th, 18th, 19th, or 20th, you're not going to the last chance race, and that's yeah, what happened to Ward. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, absolutely nuts. It's it's weird, uh, Weege, for me. Like, not weird for me, but, you know, this is one of the greatest races of all time. We've talked about it. We've celebrated it. But it's weird for me, like, to be, like, Jimmy's in this thing. Yeah, but, but but you know yeah. just yeah. Not, but like you, Jim, you look at it totally different. Where you're just like, yeah, I got twelfth, I got lapped, like yeah. like yeah. that's like, reality. Right, I mean, that's, right. uh, you know, we we uh, I, I look at things in reality, like you know, like people will get like uh, you guys remember Juice Lansu, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he uh, you know he his first outdoor race, he got fifth. At Hangtown, you know, and he's all happy and this and that. I go, man, we got work to do. Fonseca had a problem. Uh, James Stewart had a problem. There was yeah, a lot yeah. of guys that had that problem because that fifth now equals into an eighth or a ninth, you know. <laughs> so for me, right. I'm looking at that 12th and getting lapped, and my bosses are all there at Yamaha, Anaheim, the first round. Hey, we signed this new kid, Jim Hawley, and shit, he's getting lapped by the two factory Honda guys, you know. And, and yeah, 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 I mean, no. that, that bothered me a lot. And, uh, you know, Steve, 
we've talked about it on yes. the Pulp MX show a lot that, you know, well, Keith, you know, you were the top Yamaha guy and you've, uh, well, yeah, but that was the start of my thing. And I got lapped and I, I was paid to win races. And I, I mean, always, I got lapped. I'll forever, I'll cool. forever debate you on this, Jimmy. I don't care. You went from number 12 to number 10 and you lost your ride. Yeah. <laughs> that's I will forever debate you on this, but but uh, those times were different back then. Bro, that's for sure. Look, what people forget all the time is people want to bag on the sport. Now we got teams closing. Twenty twenty is worse than usual. Yeah, and I'm like, go back into these so-called glory days. Yeah. There were like ten total factory riders total yeah, in yeah. the entire sport. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have thirty yeah. in the two fifty class. Right. Alone, yeah. The support class, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It was tough back then. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and the other thing that I remember also is that you know after the race, you know, the, my dad was my mechanic, mm-hmm. and other Stig Peterson was our Olings uh, shot guy and everything, and and even Keith and and Larry Griffiths and all those guys. Hey, don't worry about it, man. It's okay. It's the first race out. Don't worry about it. And I was beating myself up. Go. I'm thinking on the way home, I'm driving, I'm thinking, how in the hell can these guys be patting me on the back saying, don't worry about it? I'm worried about it. I got laughed. And I <laughs> the top ten. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, and well, look, Brock got seventh. Brock, Brock got lapped, too, I believe, and tells, yeah. tells a story about how, he, yeah, he was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Rick and They're David. killing it. Yeah, like, we, we, you know. At that time, after that race, at Yamaha, we knew we were behind the eight ball yeah, after yeah. that race. Yeah, we yeah. knew the Hondas were strong, and we just, you know, I mean, that was only one race of 12 rounds. But, you yeah. know, if you yeah. go to the vault and you look at any all the results there, I mean, Honda dominated that yeah. year, and they oh. dominated the outdoors, too. Uh, Steve already kind of asked about this, but, like, okay, if you know you're behind the eight ball, like, you didn't have a – got to go to the test track on Monday and figure this out. Did you even have that? Yeah, De Anza. Oh, De Anza. Yeah, yeah, oh, was that yeah, one that yeah, everybody yeah. used, or was that Yamaha's? No, that was just Yamaha's. Oh, okay, just, you did. But it wasn't a full-blown course. That's That was the problem, Jason, that, you know, they made an effort to have our own private little course. But I'm talking, it, it, it's not like the Supercross tracks that you have today, and you right. have guys come out and they refurbish them every year. And man, they probably even change them up after every couple uh, couple years. But you got to remember, during that time, I'm going to throw this word out to you, and you guys will remember it. Honda Land in yeah. Simi Valley. Yeah. David Bailey and Johnny O'Mara lived in Simi Valley, and Honda rented an outdoor – they rented a big facility out there, and they built an outdoor track, and they built a full-blown Supercross track where Yamaha – and I can't speak for Kawasaki or, or Suzuki, but I know Yamaha's was at De Anza and it really wasn't a good track. It, w- it wasn't a flat surface all the way around the whole thing, and, and y- you get there and you set the bike up – and it's working good there, and you feel good, and you got all this confidence. Your bike's working good, and then you get to Anaheim, and you go, "Oh no! <laughs> oh, we're in, oh no! I'm, I'm in, we're in trouble! We're yeah. in trouble! This thing is not working. It, it's it's a whole different concept on, on you know what we're used to practicing on. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. that that's why you see. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the factories, they even bring out lights. Yeah, they have. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, they to, have. To, to duplicate what that is. And you're talking De Anza, that's a whole different type of a soil that was at Anaheim. So you're trying to set up tires and set up, you know, suspension. 
and it just it works great at De Anza, but it's not yeah, yeah. working good at uh, Anaheim. Well, uh, thanks, Jimmy, for coming on. Anything else, Weech, for, for Jim Hollywood? No, we're good. Okay. I, I always wonder what it was like. Yeah, the evolution of the tracks and the yeah. bikes and the testing, it right. was a lot happening in a short amount of time in that era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Jimmy, for coming on the Lee at Reraceables podcast. Appreciate it. Not and- a problem. Good stuff from Jim and Weege. On the broadcast, you could see the dejection once he got lapped. Yeah, you can hear it in the interview. Right. And then we watch the show. He's so dejected, he pulls over for Bailey and RJ, and then there's other guys that he's battling with for position, and he lets them buy too. Yeah. He let Jeff Leesk yeah, yeah. just yeah. go by him. He ends up getting 12th on this night, but he's ahead of Myerskoff in 11. He's ahead of Leesk in, in, in 10 yeah. at, at, at this point. Yes. Yeah. And he lets them buy also. Uh-uh. So you almost could see, like he's explaining in this interview we just did now, uh, almost 40 years later, it's like it ruins him yeah. when he gets slapped by those guys. And, and, and again, I will stand by this. Uh, you've heard me say this on the Pulp Show. Jim Hawley was a working man's privateer. He was number 12. He did phenomenal on a production bike, on a, on a ragtag, uh, him and his dad putting things together. He gets hired by the factory team. He gets national number 10 the next year, which is incredible. And he gets dropped. He gets dropped. And as he says, I was paid to win, man. Well, I don't, I'm not buying that, Jim. No one was paying Jim Hawley to win. They, they were not thinking he was going to take David Bailey down. No, no, he was not. So I bring this back up to all pro- the time. Back to privateer status yep. for Jim after one year. I, I bring this up all the time, too. I know everybody says the good old days. The good old days were not that good. There just weren't that many factory rides. The difference between a factory ride and a privateer was massive. And it was the amount of guys who had good results. National number 10? Yeah. You lose your factory ride? Yeah. I bet you when that happened, that didn't even seem that crazy. It was pretty typical <laughs> it was probably, of the day. It was probably fine. Yeah. It was normal. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. There, I always say, as I said to Jim in this call, there were like 10 total factory riders in the entire sport. Right. There were no factory rides in the other class at all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. Were, there was, yeah, 10 guys making a living racing a motorcycle. Basically. Right, right. Basically, yeah. Uh, com for more information from those guys, the uh, MCR Bullfrog Spas team running Liat. Uh, head to toe out there. Uh, the Velocity goggles, they're bulletproof. Yeah, that's right. All Liat goggles are bulletproof. They can take impacts like no other. The Liat 6.5 Velocity goggles offer outstanding clarity in all conditions. They feature an easy clip-in lens that takes 20 seconds to replace. Uh, they have multiple layers of lush, removable, dual-density face foam. Anti-sweat fleece, a soft inner and ridged outer frame ensure ultimate comfort and durability. Uh, the 6.5 goggles range from $89.99 to $109.95. So please check that out. And FlexLock boots, they're Liat 9.5, 8.5 helmets as well. Um, Justin Hill was going to wear Liat until he just strangely bailed on the team. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> okay. so, didn't sign the deal. No, didn't sign the deal. Also, Blenzall. I want to thank the Blenzall guys. Uh, the two-stroke smell, you know it well. It's the smell of Blenzall. For over 60 years, Blenzall Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner to guys like Michael Alessi, who won the two-stroke uh, world championship this year using Blenzall, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzall's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil from the original green label racing caster to the 455 Alter or to the versatile gold label, Blenzol has you covered. Maxis.com. Uh, I mean, Weege, what do you say about Maxis? I mean, they, uh, that, that Rod Bell character. Dogger. That's the character I want to talk about. Yeah. When I think Maxis. Wait, you say Maxis? Yeah. I thought you said Maxima. No, Maxis. Oh, Maxis. Yeah. 
Rod Bell, uh, we should have invented this award. He's the uh, Gavin Grasick Memorial <laughs> 450 privateer that you did not see having awesome that results. That comes out of getting, nowhere. Cut, yes, right. and all summer long is just awesome. Yeah. I named that in honor of Gavin Grasick, who, who is alive, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Grasick had that one amazing summer. Ended up with a JGR ride. Yep. And uh, there's usually one privateer every year that and, does that, and Rod Bell was 2020s. And it really was. And he uses Max's tires and yeah. great mountain bike tires as well, of course, and uh, UTV tires, the light truck tires. I got a set of light truck tires on my Ridgeline. Uh, from oh, the they're Max's? Max's, yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah. And uh, so I want to thank those guys as well for coming on board this podcast and you people for listening. Subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, if you have a suggestion for a race that you want Ouija and I to talk about, Send it to information or send it to the info tab on pulpamex.com and we'll see if we can get to it. We got, it. Uh, got a lot of good ideas coming, a lot of races that, uh, yeah, every, it's funny how we, we're doing these and we, as we talk about them, we're like, wait, what about that one? And that about that one? You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, Jacksonville yeah. 2011. Right. We got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that might be a great one too. Yeah. Um, so Anaheim 86, uh, that's, that's it. That's a phenomenal race. And, uh, well, a couple other things we're okay. going to cover here. All right. A couple other things we're going to cover here. I got Again, some categ- categories coming Yeah, we got too. categories. Yeah. A couple other things we noticed that are hilarious. So, again, uh, early in the Supercross thing, they didn't have it all dialed. Yeah. Apparently, uh, you got a camera, your quote-unquote press, come on down. <laughs> I mean, you're looking in some corners, and there are 15 dudes yeah. with cameras. Yeah. And they're leaning over the track. Yeah. Mechanics are on the racetrack. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that was f- – I mean, that went forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- that, it, that was – Yep. Only in the last 10 – 15 years was that not allowed they finally yeah stay in this we area. were always allowed to just walk on out even there. in your time oh yeah really oh yeah 100 percent. but the most dangerous thing of all the 30 second card guy yeah what the, this is the best you could do he, he's a little out of shape yeah uh and he is close enough where he's five feet away from getting tagged every, every start yes why don't you back up a little bit? I don't know. Uh, Do they, can the riders not see dude, more than 40 feet? And he was sprinting. Yes. If he slipped, Done. he's getting run over. Done. And Done. we're talking all four heats, both semis, LCQ, and the main every time. Every time. He barely escapes. <laughs> barely makes it. And what? he's trucking. <laughs> yes. He's not walking slowly like room to – he doesn't have room to move. Like, is it, like oh, they're coming? I better pick it up. <laughs> When no. he runs off, no. he's wide open. It's like a, a stolen base in right, baseball. Right. You better get that jump. Yeah. Or you're, you're... No, he's Usain Bolt. Yes. From the minute that car goes sideways, Sprays. and then he almost gets clipped. Every time. Yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. And what, was there a scientific study that said, no, we know the riders can only see 38 feet. <laughs> yeah. If that 30-second card is 50 feet away, you're going to get hit. I don't know. That's I think great. it's because they, they had a jump in there. Yeah, the, the jump was pretty gnarly. Yeah, the single out yeah. of the gate. So maybe, yeah, maybe he had to be on the front side. The of front the, side of it. I, I don't know. But again, like, make the jump ten feet further back. I don't know. There's a lot of don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and <laughs> the moment they were laughed hardest with, especially Pookie, who was watching yeah. this race with us. Right. The photographer with the cigarette. <laughs> yes. He's in a camera frame. Camera pans from right to left. <laughs> And he he's just staring at the camera <laughs> like like he's like he's a deer and he got caught in yeah, the headlights yeah. and his cigarette he's got a camera in his hand and his cigarettes is dangling <laughs> from his mouth. But our guy has a wherewithal yes. to realize oh I'm in the scene and he ducks he ducks yes he ducks the TV camera <laughs> while shooting photos with a cigarette in his mouth it's phenomenal. 
Phenomenal. I'm going to try yeah. to get a screen grab of that. Yeah. Yeah. The infield is just total chaos, yeah. man. Pey- Peyton is three feet away from Johnny O as the, as the day drops. <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting down there hanging out. Right. Talk, I, we could not figure out what rider he was talking to. He's talking to somebody before uh, that summer. Yeah, answer gear. He might have been Alan King. Okay. Yeah, I think it might have been okay, Alan King. Alan Taller King. guy, green In answer Cali, gear. Yeah, yeah Cowie. Okay, yeah. that probably is who it was. Yep. And then the corner workers, which this went on for years. They're not – I don't even know who these – there's like yellow flaggers, but there's like other randoms. Yeah. And they are always cheering RJ. Uh, yeah. When Radical Ron Turner crashes, some guy with a sleeveless cutoff yes. runs up, and yeah. he's jacked. He's, he's jacked. jacked. 80s jacked. Yeah. And he's just standing on a jump. Not a yellow flag. Yeah, he's got no, a tent. He's got a I, uh, I swear to God, he's a fan. <laughs> right? You like, think? he doesn't have a flag. He doesn't no. have a uniform. He's wearing a tank top. He's a tank top, and he's jacked. <laughs> <laughs> like, wh- and he's standing on top of the jump, yeah, waving everybody yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the yellow flagger guy tries to get out there so fast right. and he trips he over trips. the back. Yes, yes. It's 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 amazing. And you're yeah. right. Like, yeah, there's scattered people everywhere. Yeah, man. They right. just didn't have things. Michael down Rocco Senior would not be stoked. No, at that, not at all. No, I said I want to take a shot of those fifteen photographers in one corner. Yeah. Send it to Sean Brandon, who's the PR guy yeah. now, and be like, "Is this where you're at yeah. with credentials? Right. Anyone that has a camera, just, just yeah. come on down." I'll try to get a screenshot of the cigarette guy. Uh, oh, it's amazing! Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 amazing. So, um, oh, uh, Keith Bowen's whoop speed. We saw that where that came <laughs> from. Out of control. Yeah. very fast. Yeah, passing multiple yeah. guys. Right, and that is well known. Yeah. Uh, I know JMB gets the credit for first blitzing whoops. Yep. A lot of the guys from that era will say, no, Bowen did it first, but it was just by merely upshifting and holding on. Yeah. 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 He, he looked uh, sketchy, but uh, but we, we never went down the ones that we saw anyway. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, good race. Funny, funny stuff. Um, uh, it's, it's like when you only think of the race as like the battle, like how does it compare to, I don't know, Stu RC? Yeah. It's. That's just the on-the-track stuff. It really gets interesting when you see how much the sport has evolved uh, with everything else. The track, the bikes, uh, how, unfortunately, unskilled most of these guys are with Supercross. I'm sure the bikes are probably... As Holly said, there's no practice tracks. No, no practice tracks. Just go for it. Right. There's no practice tracks. And a great point you make... You're going to ride Saddleback on a Wednesday to get ready for Anaheim. And the great point you make is, this is like the first year these Supercross tracks even looked like this. So even if you race Supercross the year before, yeah. you probably never did obstacles like 85, this. 85, go watch 85 Rose Bowl, the final round, when yeah. Glover and uh, Wardy come in one point apart or whatever. Yeah. Go watch that one. The whoops are gnarly. Mm. And that's sort of like, whoa, you know what I mean? But that's when it starts changing. 85, right. 86, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you got guys that have never ridden any of these obstacles yeah. ever. Right. It's almost like Enduro Cross. Right. Uh, shout out to Russ Wageman, by the way. Um, he may appear in a category here shortly, but I did a podcast with him, and he gets a lot of screen time. In this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. A lot of screen yep. time in this yep. one. So, uh, as a privateer. Um, I got a question, actually. Yep. This reminded me. In these heat races, all these privateers and everything, you're seeing lots of Yamahas, lots of Suzukis of these dudes battling. Yeah. Didn't everybody know? Hondas and Cowies were the best bikes then. Yeah. Honda was the best. Yeah. Kai was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of junk from Suzuki and Yamaha <laughs> yeah. in this era. Yeah. What were these guys doing? Were they just getting bikes and parts deals? Maybe, yeah. Maybe bikes and parts deals. And yeah. I think there was a lot of them around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there was deals. Like, even uh, speaking of Wageman, in a podcast he did in 85, he got bikes and parts and money and everything from Suzuki. And he was just a privateer dude. Right? I see. So, yeah. Because the only Hondas, you have Honda sweeping the main. Mickey Diamond, by the way, gets fifth. So they get four out of the top five. But the only other Hondas you really see is like Brooks, Leesk, I think. 
least who's a Honda rider in Australia. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, you see no other Hondas. Right. So I guess Honda's just like, yeah, we'll just dominate the main. We're not yeah. giving you guys. Yeah. 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 I like Kawasaki now. Right? Yeah, we got yeah. Eli. Yeah, we're we got good. Eli and Adam. We're, 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 yeah, we're, we're not doing support teams. Uh, all right. So, category time. Who won the race? Doesn't always mean who won the race. So, we each, I've been scooping you on these, so I'll let you go first. Who won the race? Uh, I, this is kind of – oh, no, we have a different award. This will be perfect. No, it's, it's Bailey, man. It's Bailey. His level of skill in comparison to everybody else. RJ might have been as fast, but even RJ was a little bit more of just because he was sending it. Uh, Bailey's skill is phenomenal. Very impressive. I'm going to go with RJ. Because really? bad year in 85 yeah. on the Yamaha. Yeah. Switches to Honda. You know, that that is probably the most laps he led uh, in two years. You know what I mean? I think he won 84 uh, Orlando or something. Yeah, he hadn't won a lot of supercrosses. No, he hadn't won a lot of supercrosses. No. Nope. And he would go on to win the 86 title, and he would really emerge from, from you know, from a, a, a so-so time at Yamaha in 85 to being the guy. And a lot of it is because he said, you know, Bailey and O'Mara were buddies. And he wanted to be like them, but they wouldn't really hang out with him too much. And yeah. he, he loved the bike. And yep. he, he really bonded with Brian Loon as his mechanic. And so, uh, yeah, Rick Johnson's my pick to win the race. Not a bad one. Yeah. And for those that, that don't remember how this turned out. Um, and the guy that's jacked won the race, too. That guy with the, with the tank top <laughs> yeah, yeah. standing yeah, on the yeah, jump yeah, waving yeah. with his, like, flowed, like, yeah. 80s quaff hair. Right. Um, the way this would, season would turn out is that RJ would become the dominant guy. He lost straight up to Bailey here, but then he dominated, and he really became the the first dominant guy since Hannah. Because when you look mm-hmm. at 84 and 85, those years were nobody no, even 83, won. 83, 82. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. It no. was like yeah. there was a year, maybe 85, no one even won two races in a row. Can you imagine that? Right. Every week was like a different guy winning. So RJ winning like multiple races and dominating multiple series, multiple years had not been seen since – Hannah, which, when you look at like the sport had only been around 15 years, yeah, a five-year span between Hannah and RJ is an eternity. So, yeah, uh, I don't think anyone was expecting. Again, I wasn't in the pits at this time, but I don't think people were thinking that this would be Rick Johnson that he would go to this level. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that he reached a new level at Honda, and yeah. so he's my winner of this okay. race. Um, <clears throat> Lit Kid Award. I think there's only one choice with a with a solid runner up. What do you got? RJ's look was the best. Oh my god. Really? Dude. What? Bailey's flow orange JT uh, with the helmet and the JT. And the blue? He didn't even have a full face helmet. Come so on. So what? It looked bitching. Full face helmets are where it's at. No, 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 no. Even no. even O'Mara's bell looked good. You're really going to go? I Bailey's a slam dunk for Lit Kit for this race. He looks you, so good. You JT guys. Oh. You JT guys. You're a JT hater. JT. It's um, never into it, man. No, RJ stuff looked good. RJ stuff looked modern. It, it's, Bailey stuff looked amazing. Yeah. And you know what else had good gear? The Hallman gear. That was my runner-up. It Burn, actually looked Burnworth. good. Burnworth. Burnworth. Hallman gear. Black and, and, and uh, it was black and like, like. Red orange. Red orange, yeah. It looked good. Yeah. I, I don't know what yeah. was going on. And he had a good helmet, nice helmet, yeah. like open face helmet, painted really good. Yeah. Yeah. For an open face. Yeah. It looked cool. Uh, if you had ever told me that there was a night in Supercross history where Hallman gear was looking good. Yeah. No, I Burn- said not possible. Burnworth's look all year was strong. I, I didn't know this. Tuned by Bob Oliver that year, by the way, too. Really? Yeah, Bobo. Was I don't mechanic. even know that. Is Hallman gear Thor? Is that just Thor? Yeah. yeah. They just changed the yeah. name. Yeah. 
It went started from- as Hallman, then went to Thor. Okay, so that's yep. Thor gear. Yep, that's Thor. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Burnworth runner up for Lit Kit, uh, and then RJ's probably third for me. Right. But Bailey, Bailey was good. The Jacob Marsak Award for somebody doing something that you had no idea or won't remember. What do you got for the Jacob Marsak Award? And uh, named in honor of Jason Mar- Jacob Marsak, who got third at Daytona in the mud in a 450 main event, and no one remembers. No, the yep. epic Wyndham Reed battle in the mud. Yep. Jacob Marsak got third. Yep. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to take it out of the results. Brian Myerskoff got 11th, and everybody else that beat him, it's pretty legendary. Uh, you're looking through this list, and you're like, yep, heard of him, heard of him. Right. I didn't know. I know there's a history of Myerskoff, had great talent as an amateur and a minibike guy. Yeah. But I had yeah. no idea any results in Supercross. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he, he did. I yeah. did a podcast with him not that long okay. ago. And, yeah, no, he solid results for Myerskoff. 11th. Better than you think, yes. Oh, in his career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, better than you think, man. Uh, won uh, three or four nationals in his career. But the talent, talent supposedly was yes. unreal. Yes. Yep, and like, Morty will tell you that. Morty, yeah. yes, goes yeah. those guys from his era, yep. like dude, the way he could ride. Yep, yep. yep. Um, so okay, so Myerskoff's your guy. Um, I'm gonna go. Well, the who's that guy? Yeah. Award for me would be Russ Wageman. Yeah. But Myerskoff could get it too. Oh, oh, that's the who's that guy? Not yeah, not the uh, Marsak. Not Marsak Award. So I, I don't. I might know. have messed up C- our categories here a bit. I might have messed up our categories. Well, not really, Marsak. Yeah. No, the Jacob Marsak Award is for somebody who did something that you don't remember. So right. Myerskoff getting eleventh at AOM. I, I did not expect that. Yeah. Okay. That, that totally yep. works. I did not for expect that. that. No, that totally right. works for that. All right. I'm good. Uh, for me, I think it's going to be Al Dick, just because I didn't even know like he was at Anaheim '86. Oh, and he led a lap or really? two in the LCQ. Oh. So I'm going to go with that. I, I figured you would have had that, like, tattooed. Like, no. Like, forget Alan Dick. No, I, I can't believe that. Yeah. So, uh, and then the, the Who's That Guy Award for me goes to Wageman. What about you? Um, This is the We Didn't Know Who These Guys Are. Or literally, Who's That Guy could be the photographer. Like, who's that guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to go with the, the Jack guy. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with the Jack <laughs> who's guy. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Right, right. And also, uh, whoever won that quad race, never heard of him. And I followed quad racing yeah. very closely. Yeah. And I can't even remember the name. The suspenders might have let go for Dixon and, and caused it all, them. Yeah, all, all, went all went down, down from, from there. there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with Jacked Fan, who ran out of the track in his tank top, and whoever <laughs> won the quad race, who okay. they named once and I never heard of. All right. Uh, where's JT? Well, uh, I don't think he's even born yet in this race. <laughs> Close. Yeah. He's probably seven. Uh, yeah, JT was born before 86, bro. I don't know. No, what, JT's like a year or two he, younger. He's than me. thirty. No. Is JT forty? No, thirty-eight. How old is JT? I don't know. He was definitely born by eighty-six. Okay, all right. So, remember, I think in Atlanta '90, we're like it's a twelve-year-old or something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, right. He's jumping up and down doing jumping jacks when yeah. RJ takes the lead. Yeah, so, he, so, he definitely was born in '86. Okay, was, so RJ yeah. or where's JT? Uh, he's Gainesville. He's in Gainesville. He's in Gainesville. Yeah, motoring down with Frank. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. In nineteen eighty-six. Yep. So, uh, but maybe Frank was at this race. Never know. Frank had a long association with the AMA for a long time. Maybe Cindy, Cindy was scoring and JT just didn't tell us. Right. <laughs> Cindy <laughs> is in the scoring tower for the legendary Bailey Johnson. Maybe that's Frank almost getting run over with the 30-second <laughs> yeah, card. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, is this our, race on YouTube? We watched it on your DVD. Yeah. Is this race on YouTube? I think so, yeah. I mean, I sure hope so because I, I would like to think this is our educational thing as we tell you this stuff. Right. That it inspires you to go watch. Yeah. The photographer with the cigarette, the 30-second card guy getting run over. The jacked guy on the top the of the jacked jump. Guy. 
It's fantastic. It's great. It's superb. Right. Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else for Anaheim 86? No, man. It, this is uh, R.J. Bailey. Yeah. It's literally two guys that look somewhat modern. Yep. And nobody else. Right. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. 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 The Elite Re-Raceables podcast presented by Blenzall and Maxis. I'm Steve Mathis. That's Jason Wygant. Thanks for listening, everybody.